Welcome to Arvid and Tyler Catch Up. I'm Arvid. I'm Tyler. Let's catch up. That's right. Yeah, let's catch up. Uh, how's your week been? I think we've been missing yet another week. Or I, I always phrase this in a negative way. I think we, we just decided to give ourselves one more week between mm. episodes, right? To accumulate interesting things to talk about. How about that? Is that the better yeah, way of phrasing it? <laughs> Judgment free, you know. That's just right. It's, it, it is now two weeks later. I'm, I'm still glad we're, we're still doing this because I, I think this is episode number twelve, if I'm yeah. not completely wrong. And I think mm -hmm. that was the amount of uh, conversations that we initially kind of committed to. Right. That's that's what I remember. So I'm glad, yeah. glad we made it here, and I hope we'll make it way further than this in the future. Yeah. But already being here is is so cool. How have your last two weeks been? Uh, they've been good. They've been good. Yeah. Really busy in a, in a good way. I think like, you know, if folks have been listening from the beginning, they know that my day job running the calm company fund has been kind of, uh, all over the place the past couple of months in terms of just a lot of work and decisions and stuff that is not the core business of just meeting with founders and investing with them and then, you know, helping out the portfolio companies the best I can. And these past two weeks, more or less the last kind of five to six weeks have really been almost entirely that, which has been great. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time just, you know, reviewing, um, reviewing companies to invest in, um, meeting with some actually, you know, writing a couple checks, which is great. We've got, you know, new companies joining the portfolio imminently, um, or rather already closed. So, you know, they're in the process of being onboarded and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, keeping the LPs up to speed and all that kind of stuff, which has been, which has been really good. Um, it's been kind of interesting to see some of the conversations with founders have, um, surfaced an interesting kind of conundrum right now, which is for folks who are not that plugged into the investing world right now, there's been this really dramatic change in that world um, over the last kind of six months or so, which is we transitioned from this period where there was just lots of capital out there. Um, valuations were kind of crazy. Everybody was able to sort of Founders were able to sort of raise money and access capital markets in a way that almost felt like a no-brainer. You know, you, you say, okay, I want some money, whether it's equity or debt or whatever. And the terms were such that it was like, you didn't really feel like you were giving up hardly anything, right? So you go like, sure, I'll take some money. Um, and now we're entering this phase because like, you know, interest rates are rising and capital is less available that, you know, it's kind of coming to more of a normal thing where, you know, when you want money from investors in some format, you kind of have to give something up. You have to want it. You have to feel like there's a trade happening here. And that's fine if you're coming in fresh, whatever, you don't know. But what's happening is there's founders who sort of have gone across that time period are having a really difficult time kind of switching gears, right? It's almost like you got this car that's going in sixth gear and you're going super fast and you got to downshift to second gear. And it's just really hard to do that. So I'm having a lot of conversations with founders where, you know, they built a great company, they built a cool SaaS business, it's got, you know, let's say 30K in MRR, but, um, you know, and it's growing and I'm really excited about it. But, you know, they just, a bunch of angels got excited like 14 months ago and they've raised like $1.5 million. Hmm. So their burn rate is like 125K a month relative to the 30K. So like, even though they've got this business and it's growing, they just have way too much staff. And so now they're trying to, 
they're trying to do this sequential thing, right? Okay, you raise 1.5 million, now you got to go raise three or four. And there's just, there's no market for them to raise three or four. And so I'm kind of having these tough conversations with them where it's like, probably you're going to have to bite the bullet and normalize your burn rate, which probably means like laying off half the people that you just hired in the last, you know, nine months. It's super hard to swallow that kind of a change Mm -hmm. so early on in the business cycle. So it's like, you know, it's just a very difficult thing to navigate as a founder. And, And I'm trying to having a lot of those conversations, trying to very delicately help these founders navigate these tough decisions. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting market right now for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I what, wonder. What you, yeah. Well, I, I, let me let me uh, respond to this first because I, I really wonder something. I had I had a couple of conversations over the last weeks, uh, mostly about mental health and yeah. expectations. Right, I was talking to uh, uh, Doctor Julie Gurner, who, who's on the podcast today that I released about you know imposter oh, awesome. syndrome and those kind of right. things. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, yeah. she, she just got to 100,000 Twitter followers as well. I love the fact that there's somebody who works effectively as a psychologist, like helping people mm. understand mental health issues, and they have like a six-figure uh, Twitter following. That is that is what we need in our community. So talk to her and um, about a lot of, you know, the self preservation things that people do projection things that we do even you know it, she said imposter syndrome is something that not everybody has some people think they have it but it's really just like depression or it's something <laughs> that is uh, you know like a self, self kind of yeah. analyzing where it's really just your own unwillingness to deal with your parts of your your psyche that you haven't yet explored right and and you, mm. your projection of other people's capacity into your own life there's a lot going on with imposter syndrome so i had a lot of conversations with her about this and i feel founders that have nobody to talk to they often struggle with even the most basic things because they have nobody to really understand um just to 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 kind of bounce this back and forth with to understand themselves with or through and the the week prior or i guess next week when it's being released i talked to paul millard who we've mentioned many many times on the podcast and we talked about also with vc funding and that the kind of this hamster wheel of having to raise round after round that is effectively a narrative that's kind of common knowledge he calls it that common knowledge which is us thinking that we know what other people know that's what common Mm. knowledge is to him right our expectation that something is known by other people other people's ideas that's kind of the the larger term and i feel Mm -hmm. in particular around the successful startup founder being able to sustain the choices that you make from the start is part of your identity of success right hiring people Mm. and not letting them go success hiring people Mm. and having to let them go massive failure even though the business Mm. is still around right but in our minds and i'm kind of kind of putting them together and i do wonder what, what kind of responses do you experience when you talk to people about that being a necessity like how do people react if you can divulge that obviously uh, yeah, generally, I think you're right that there is a very strong intuitive uh, need to stick to the narrative of success. And it's really hard to stray from that, even though, you know, you're right that like, there's no rules that say you have to follow this particular thing, you know, and there are many different ways to success. And actually, if you go and, and start to reverse engineer a bunch of different folks pathways to success, you often find that it didn't follow this, you know, totally smooth kind of just like success compounding on success compounding mm-hmm. on success, there's often the sort of valley of, of despair or whatever the trough of disillusionment, whatever yep. you call it, like a lot of this stuff often happens. But it's very hard to reckon with it. And 
I guess what I am finding pretty frequently is just that um, there's a sort of, uh, it's just difficult to grapple with it. And there's a little bit of kicking the can down the road, right? Sort of a perspective of, okay, well, you know, we still have a good amount of runway to keep working on this, et cetera, et cetera, you know? And so I think that it's going to have to get closer to kind of the, uh, day of reckoning, right? Before folks yeah. really start to just say, okay, I have to actually grapple with this question. Um, because if you can sort of just hold out hope, um, there's a very, very, very strong incentive to do that. And I think that's compounded a lot by, you know, you see like, um, something that I kind of will often chime in on when I see it on Twitter or something like that. Somebody will share some story of like, you know, Jeff Bezos pitched 300, you know, investors before he got his first yes. So like, you know, hashtag just keep going or something like that. And I often will pipe in and say like, you know, the reality is that like most of the time, you get to like 299 no's, you have like a no. You know? <laughs> like yeah. you probably should have actually stopped at maybe like 107 no's. That was probably like enough, you know? <laughs> um, and so there's just this like real, you know, a, a complimentary narrative to what you're talking about of the idea of just like brutal, just don't accept any other outcome kind of persistence that we really sort of valorize entrepreneurs for having. And that is one that I think folks are picking up in this moment right now, which is like, that's going to be me, right? I understand everything you're saying, but I'm going to be the one that gets two, 300 no's and gets the 301st yes, so that I, you know, don't have to rationalize the business uh, in this moment. And it's very hard to, you know, to try and take that away from someone, right? You know, and, and, and to some extent, that's not my responsibility. Like these founders have to make their own choices and, you know, um, I'm not in charge. So I just kind of am trying to advise them as best as I can about, you know, what probably makes sense. And then, you know, they're going to have to navigate this kind of weird environment as best they can, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. What's up with you? Well, um, oh, I've been I've been having a fun time. I uh, I'm preparing for my parents to arrive here in Canada. My German parents hey. who speak not a, not a word of English. It's gonna be the most hilarious time that I ever the had. Come to Canada. The calls are coming. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really, the, the Germans are here. That's yeah. how it's gonna be. It's gonna be fun because like with Danielle's family, that's quite sizable. There's so many people. They all are really really looking forward to meeting them. But mm -hmm. between us and like between them and the Germans, there's gonna be a lot of translation layer that has to constantly happen. So both Danielle and I are gonna be the translators for a good week and a half. Mostly me, I guess, because I'm gonna stick with them all, the, the whole time. Danielle has other things to do, living a Is busy there life. An AI so for this now? Can't you just, uh -huh. uh, you know, give them you know some what? sort of... <laughs> this reminds me. And this is another story that involves Danielle because most of the good stories in my life involve my partner. Um, <laughs> with with her, as as we built Feedback Panda, right? The the, mm. the business that, that we then sold to the wonderful people at the company that you sold your business to as well. Um, as we built this, we went to a conference in, in China. We went to uh, at like an online teaching summit that was really, really cool, uh, hosted by one of the companies that, that we actually integrated into our product. So that was a, a big deal. I think it was called GET, G-E-T, Global Education Technology Summit. So we, we flew to um, to China, we flew to Beijing, and it, it was my first time in China ever. I, I never thought I would go there. Like getting a visa and all that was interesting, and arriving there was interesting, and seeing China was, it, it was 
was a lot of interesting stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. So we went we went to a hotel and the conference was in there too. But they had organized something for a couple people that came there, like an additional little visit to Beijing, visit to companies in Beijing. So we, okay. we went to all kinds of like education technology companies and AI technology companies. That was 28, seven, uh, 7 or 18. So it, okay. it was like before the, the big AI push in the West. We went to, I think iFlyTech or something was the name of that company in, in China. And they were they were literally presenting that device that you just said. They just mm. like held it up, speak into it in any language, and it will come out English. And we did, and it did. It was bizarre. Like mm. the, the the technology you think does not exist, it exists yeah. and it's somewhere in a Chinese lab that it, they actually make it happen. So it was really cool. They they showed us like um, the, the stuff that now scares us looking at the privacy perspective of it because this thing probably also, you know, detects everything being said in the room and automatically translates it into some database, you know, mm -hmm. and in China, everything you say kind of has an impact on, you know, what you're allowed to do. There was mm -hmm. one company where we that we went to there was a school, like a teaching company that had like a camera essentially uh, set up at everybody, pointing at everybody, and they would read, obviously, your, your face recognition kind of stuff. But it wasn't, wasn't only recognizing your face, it was recognizing your mood. And it would put the score on top of your face, telling um, people that just how happy you are, where you are right now, if you're sad, if you're confused, if you mm. understood the things that people told you just now, or if you need more help. That's the mm -hmm. idea, right? So you point it at a class of 30 kids and you get a little score, like a percentage in green or red on top of every kid's head telling you about the thing you just tried to teach them if they got it or not. And yeah. From from privacy perspective, this is horrible because it, it, it kind of infringes into your own internal world that you sometimes externalize through your face. But yeah. It is technology that exists, and in a country like this, it will be used for many, many different purposes. That's as yeah. far as I'll go, right? It was just an, an interesting glimpse into the technology as it is being built in a country that we don't really get that much information from. That mm. also impacts a lot of things that we do, right? Because most of our stuff is produced there too. So that being said... Yeah. Um, I we I don't have that device. Uh, my capacity to translate between German and English will have to suffice for <laughs> the the visit uh, of my parents here. But we're gonna have a great time. I think time. there are some pretty good ones out though. I've seen some launches and stuff. You should mm -hmm. uh, you should like do a little outreach to some of the uh, you know even if they're still in beta, right? I think yeah, that would be like great idea. content. You know, like your family fun, yeah. and Danielle's family just like mm -hmm. beta testing some. You just know, like a, both looking at iPads and AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. I, I mean, that would actually be really cool. I'm gonna, yeah. gonna spend a couple hours uh, <laughs> before they come. Thanks for that suggestion. I I thought we could handle it, but why not also make it fun? Right? Yeah. Why not involve Try technology? Well, the thing is, and um, I've been I've been preparing for this, obviously, right? But with people coming from from the other other side of the Atlantic, I needed to make a couple of preparations. That's what most of the last two weeks have been for me. I've been yeah. trying to kind of ramp up the production of what I do, my writing and my recording and my editing. So yeah. I would be able to spend 10 days with my family um, going to Toronto. We want to see the big city, right? Because we live in the countryside a couple hours away from it. They're going to yeah. land in Toronto. We're going to spend some time in Toronto. Then we're going to go to Niagara Falls, the Canadian side, because there is some some family history that almost happened there. Like it's uh, th there's a lot going on. But we wanted to see the falls. We want to spend some you know vacation time there. And then yeah. we're going to do uh, the whole family. We're going to bring them here to the countryside and have. Uh, I think there's a, a pork um, pork roast in involved somewhere. Yeah, like a half a pig or something. And it's going to be like 50 people, and they're going to be so confused. I'm already looking forward to that a lot. It's like, like a, a glorious. 
disaster. <laughs> that was my first experience. I, I kind of married into a, a super, super uh, huge family. Just a lot of people, mm. a lot of wonderful, every single one of them, amazing people. And I mm. got to meet almost all of them on my first day that I ever came to Canada. <laughs> that was that's that's the experience that my family will also get, and I'm kind of happy about this. Yeah. You know, because it's just it's just a different world. But yeah, I've been I've been recording a lot. I've been writing a lot. Um, just earlier today, I finished. Um, editing the the episode with paul miller because that's that's the yeah. one that's going to go out next week while i'm not even home just preparing everything scheduling everything getting my sponsors on board there's a lot of stuff to do if you are not on your regular schedule so that's what, what i spend most of my time you? like for for if you need to get two weeks ahead all of a sudden like what does that week look like for you i mean are you, do you just have to work a lot i mean how much flexibility is there in your uh you know, your, your current sort of schedule. I'm actually curious. It's like we should talk about this a bit more extensively (laughs) in the episode. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think that's, um, that's a good question because I only can tell you really in retrospect now, um, because I didn't really have much of a plan for it. My, my plan that I have on every single week that hasn't changed really is on a Monday, I write on a Tuesday, I kind of Right. If I still need to on Wednesday, I do this with you, have this conversation and I maybe I pre uh, edit or, or pre fix certain things for my recording, which is on Thursday and Friday is the day that I just push it all out. And that yep. order of write, write, random stuff, record market. That is my five days a week that I always okay. have every single week. And what yep. I did this week was really just do twice as much every single day. And I did, the way I did this was by reducing my YouTube consumption by 50%. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what that was. Because I tend to watch a lot of stuff just on the side while I think, while I allow my brain to just pull in things. And this mm. time it was like, no, I'm actually going to write this one article that I really want to write. And then the other one needs also to happen today. But I, I can, you know, get an hour of just mental relaxation in there, but not two hours as I usually would. So that's kind of mm-hmm. how that happened and kind of extended into the evenings too. With Danielle oh. being, you know, doing her her sound uh, engineering stuff, she often works like late at night as well or just does yeah. work on projects. We both sit in here. She sits like over there and I sit here. We both type away the little puppies at our feet. It's a it's a little family workation in our <laughs> our office here. But uh, I, I just did twice as much on any given day. So I didn't shift anything around because I... I don't want to <laughs> yeah. minus minus the actual recording and editing of of this week because tomorrow I'm gonna be in Toronto for a little conference thing. But mm. usually I uh, I would would have done this the recording of everything tomorrow just as regular just to do twice as much. That's how I work. I I, I need my structure and the moment I, I shift like my my general structure and in that I can be flexible. But mm. I don't want to be flexible with the structure because I know that my brain is just gonna be. It's just if it's Tuesday and I'm I haven't been writing, then uh, that's kind of how yeah. I feel. It kind of irritates me. So I've developed this over the last couple of years. I never had that before. Yeah, how is that for you? Like, how structured is your life, your business life? I guess. Uh, I would say pretty unstructured in that kind of way. Like, um, I don't have a lot of like on Mondays I do X, on Tuesdays I do Y, um, sort of thing. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the main thing I do is I try to avoid having meetings on Mondays and Fridays to try okay. and concentrate those. So like my calendar calendly will pretty much always block those out um, so that at least I have kind of more unstructured days or at least uncalendared days um, on mm-hmm. Mondays and Fridays. But 
otherwise, you know, historically I've really not had much, uh, structure to that. I tend to tend to just kind of do a mix of, you know, a lot of stuff is, is fairly time sensitive, right? So if we're working on closing a new investment or all of a sudden something pops up in the portfolio that, you know, companies trying to raise another round or they need advice on something or uh, they have an acquisition offer that they need an opinion on, you know, evaluating these kinds of things I have like no real control over. They mm -hmm. just come inbound. And so um, keeping some flexibility there to be able to kind of react to those and, and have time to respond to those is pretty important. Mm -hmm. And then with like larger projects, I tend to really just try to follow the things that I have like real passion for and, um, and let that kind of flow. So, you know, if I'm feeling like I really have the itch to work on a writing project or put out a blog post or, you know, do some sort of long tweet thread or something like that, I'll just follow that. And mm -hmm. if it's more like it's time to do some, maybe less company specific, but more just like market research, maybe it would be like digging into AI and looking at what's going on there or thinking about, you know, um, what's going on in the venture world or these sorts of things, then I'll just kind of follow those threads. But yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a week to week structure. I am trying to work out a little bit more of like a quarterly or almost I'm thinking more of like an every six weeks sort of flow where I have a bit more rotation there, but it's, um, kind of a mix of both like not a great fit for me personally and not a great mm -hmm. fit for the market that I'm operating in. Right. Because it's like, <laughs> Oh, like we're only going to review companies on these two weeks, but then like some amazing company comes through the door. You don't want to say, Hey, we'll get back to you in six weeks, you know, kind of thing. So, um, so kind of keeping, yeah. keeping your options open by not like predetermining specific days or weeks or months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. Um, because I just don't control, when those interesting work opportunities kind of come on my plate, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's better to be, at least I think it's better to be responsive to those. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like you have a lot of things to be responsive to. Like, would, would yeah. you say like, like I, I do wonder because most of the stuff that I do is really just like being active on Twitter. I mean, there could be things there that I are, should be responsive to, but they are like non-critical. Like somebody sends yeah. me a DM offering me something or mm -hmm. wanting to do something for or with me great but you know if i don't reply within an hour it's still going to be there right looks like for you that might be different like how much yeah. of the the stuff that you do is like both urgent and important if you put it into the the eisenhower <laughs> matrix there yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah i think so yeah um <laughs> I would say like a high degree of urgency and depending on, I mean, urgent is a sort of, you know, extreme word, but time sensitive for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most, most stuff is time sensitive. Yeah. Is, is that just the, the nature of the beast or is that something that uh, you could, if you really wanted to like delegate or, or delay or something like that? Yeah, I think, I mean, so investing is pretty time sensitive. That's the nature of the beast, right? You know, it, it, you usually don't have a sort of open-ended window in which to invest in a company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's kind of this general sense of a round is happening or just the company's at a moment where they want to fundraise and then, you know, they're either going to have raised the money or decided not to in, you know, a month or so and, and uh, they might not be there. So there's that element. Helping portfolio companies with stuff is also pretty time sensitive, right? I mean, a lot of the stuff is, hey, we need to hire someone, you know, we need to make this kind of critical business decision. Um, 
kind of is pretty time sensitive most of the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking this mostly because it's very opposite from the, the things that I operate on as a writer. Sure. Like the only thing that is time sensitive for me, and even that is really not that time sensitive, is that I <laughs> send my newsletter where right. other people have sponsored stuff in there so they can, you know, get their money's worth in terms of exposure to my audience. But it doesn't matter if I send it at 9.05 or 9.15 or if I forget at 11 maybe or yeah. maybe the night before because I click uh, send instead of schedule. Nobody really cares, right? And this has all happened. So... The, the criticality doesn't it's not in time it's more in to do it at all at some point yeah do you get a lot of like um just sort of inbound email with folks you know readers or something like that kind of asking you for questions or advice or something that would you know yeah. like not like just like practical stuff hey can i get a discount or you know whatever i want a refund that kind of stuff like like real like hey i want your advice on my startup that sort of thing mm -hmm. do you get that kind of stuff Oh, I get it all the time. I get it yeah. like mostly through Twitter because I tell people wherever I go, my Twitter DMs are open if you have a question and I will get to it and I do get to it. Most yeah. of the time, if, if I follow them, they follow me. I get to it almost immediately because that's just, uh, I can't see the DM, you know, little notification thing without clicking on it. And <laughs> then it either either is like a couple minutes of me typing or I record a little video and post it in there because that's easier mm -hmm. for me. I turn on my lights, turn on the little button that I have on my stream deck here, and then it records so I can just post it. That that makes responses very easy because I could just ramble on for like 10 minutes and it's awesome. Don't have to type. It's spectacular. I highly recommend having a one button only record recording a set setup for yourself because that just makes async but visual mm. audio visual communication super easy so yes what i get a lot of that what do, what do you so record to? i record, record through OB, I, obs just on my computer upload to youtube and then i give people the the unlisted youtube link oh okay that's pretty it's, good it's very simple like you can it could probably build something where once it's done on obs it automatically uploads and it copy and pastes the link to, into my clipboard i don't, don't even have that but i could do that i don't I, I just you know that's one more step where i can you know put, write something nice a nice little personal message for people but yeah I, I do that and if the video is short i upload it straight into twitter into the dm as an mm. integrated video but the moment it's like a 500 megabyte gigabyte worth of a nice you know resolution kind of video youtube tends to be the better place to do it mm. um so I, I do this a lot. I do the same in emails. People send me an email. I respond to the email. So I get a lot of those. I get a lot of like semi, um, semi cold emails, like cold emails that are also questions. It's like, Hey, we have this product. Wonder if you would be interested. And if so, sure, here's the link to, to get your free account or whatever. And, mm. and another thing, because we've been reading your, your blog or we've been listening to your podcast, we're dealing with this pricing issue right now. What should we do? What would you pay? Right. It kind of, it kind of meanders into each other. I tend to respond to every single thing that is not just a cold email trying to sell me your weird SEO stuff. Like I, I spend. How do you, yeah. How do you prioritize that? Where does that fit into your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, protocol? I, I tend to scan my email every two hours or so just for mm -hmm. new things. And the moment I see something that I definitely don't want to respond to, I just mark it seen and it's gone. Mm. Or I, I, I use hey.com, so I filter it out immediately. If it's somebody reaching out to me for the first time, like they are blocked for life. That's just mm -hmm. um, a bit, not because I don't want good offers for something, but if I get like one of these, you know, these templated cold emails, hello, first name kind of stuff, it's just yeah. not going to happen. So I, I, I don't like that and I don't want that. But I, mm. I just, I, I tend to, I use the other feature that Hey has, which is, um, what is it called? Bubble up. 
Have you have you used that or have you seen it before? It's kind of a the email kind of vanishes yeah. for a couple hours and it comes back at 6 p.m. Or if you do it um, late in the in the day, late in the evening, it comes up the next morning at eight. So okay. the the idea is that this email is interesting enough for me to eventually respond. I just don't want to deal with it right now. Push it yeah. towards tomorrow. I have a couple of emails in my bubble up that I've been bubbling up for a couple of weeks at this point. It's just <laughs> stuff that's not critical, but I kind of want to deal with it. Hey also yeah. has this surprise me feature, so it will come back at a random point. So it's just, it's, it's really cute. Like they've built a nice little email client here. And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I have this more as a, a to-do list than anything else, these emails and anything yeah. Um, like once a week or so, I just go through all my emails because I get a lot of them, a lot of transactional yeah. ones as well. Like your day on Twitter, here are the best tweets, that kind of stuff. I get that from Black Magic or um, what, what else? I, I get uh, I use Sifton S uh, Y F T E N right mm -hmm. to to highlight things where my name or my products are mentioned. So that comes yeah. in every day or whenever something happens. So I respond to those. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working with the guy who helps me write the book proposal. So all the, sure. the emails that that person is writing, they come back to me immediately and I try to interact with that. There's, there's a lot going on, but prioritizing yeah. is every now and then I check and if it's interesting, I do it right now or I bubble it, bubble it up for the, for the next day. Mm. Nice. I like the, the video suggestion is a good one. I think this is mm -hmm. not exactly like on topic here, but I, I've recently just been re recognizing that like, I actually get just legitimately too many emails where yeah. like the questions are just kind of hard, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, Hey, you know, I want advice on my startup or should we be, you know, fundraising or something like that. And it's like, I have to read the deck and I, and I started timing these things and, you know, each individual email was taking me like 40 minutes to, yeah. you know, review the relevant material and respond to it. And I'm getting like, 15 plus a day of these and it's just like okay yeah. this is actually like not a sustainable system here yeah <laughs> like, no, i don't really not. know what to do um that's interesting well, the video well, response i think might might uh speed it up that's cool yeah i've been doing these twitter teardowns for the last couple of weeks right that's my mm -hmm. new big thing that i've been doing that's been quite enjoyable and that's really nothing else than me opening up somebody's twitter profile on this monitor over here pressing the screen capture button on my my stream deck my elgato stream deck not sponsored but should be right but that i used to switch between scenes and obs because i uh -huh. use I, I did one live stream once and i set up a whole thing for it maybe a bit of overkill but it's really useful now because i can just put my little face in the corner like you would have on a loom but mm -hmm. I, I stream it as, as a high quality recording to my local local um, hard disk or something. And then I record myself going through their, their profile in like 15 minutes. That's the idea. Yeah. Right? That's what I sell, like a 15 minute thing for a hundred bucks and you get it a couple days after you sign sign up for it or you, you pay okay. for it. That's kind of the idea. I, after our conversation cheap. today, uh, yeah, it's, it is pretty cheap, but it's also a lot of fun. So I think mm -hmm. we both get something out of it. And it has purchasing power parity pricing too. So some people get it even cheaper. People mm -hmm. from India or Afghanistan or other places, right? Where there's a discrepancy. Anyhow, what mm -hmm. I'm saying is, I, I and, and that's maybe something I would recommend to you in, in the sense, like if you do video, you can do like the reading and going through the material at the same time as the response, right? You don't mm -hmm. need to read through it and then start typing. You can literally read through it in a capture as, as you capture yourself, your little face in the corner and the rest is, is on your screen and you can mark stuff, you can highlight stuff, right? For the person to see you in, intellectually engage the work. 
I think yeah. that's what people really enjoy about the, the teardowns that I'm doing because I click on stuff and I say, what is this? <laughs> like From the perspective of somebody who goes to somebody's Twitter profile for the first time. And then I click around and I try to understand what it is. Most of the time it's their link that they have in their bio or their, their header image. I try to inspect it and figure out what it means. And I think mm. that gives people a, a clue as to like, how how confusing their, their Twitter profile can be by somebody who just doesn't know what to do with it. And that is so clear really conveyable if you do it as a video it's harder to mm. describe this in, in text so yeah i would i would maybe install loom get the get the loom professional um plan or something is there again or 20 bucks a month or so and it's yeah, just yeah. A, a a little little recording button and you got it it's mm -hmm. uh it's really cool yeah mm. i recommend it okay it's really easy and shareable it's really it's, it's nice and transcripts. Like that's the other thing because I I have uh, I, I built a little Apple script here for for myself because I I'm, I'm into AI stuff a little bit like uh, mm -hmm. just experimenting with it locally and I use Whisper OpenAI's Whisper which is their okay. audio to text conversion tool and I, yep. I I found like I think it's called Whis Whisper CPP which is the the CPU bound version that works even if you don't have a good graphics card it uses the CPU and mm -hmm. apparently it it does a, a minute of uh, of audio in like ten seconds or so of uh of computing time just turn it into a transcript so build an apple script that will automatically pull up or, or instruct a computer to generate um, a transcript for any given audio file or, or movie file doesn't matter so mm -hmm. that whenever the video is done recording i just right click on it say run whisper and it automatically generates the subtitle which all of a sudden makes the whole thing searchable which is it's kind of like it if and if you wrote an email just by narrating it into the computer so now you have the audio you have the the visual and you have a text version of the thing you were saying if you were writing an email it would take you like four times as long and it's only text and the other ones are missing so i hope i'm selling this to you but I it's really a useful little, uh, a little how-to <laughs> summary here that sounds pretty good actually <laughs> yeah it took took me a while to get to this point because there's a lot of steps uh, manually that, that you would need to do if you don't have it automated but hey if, yeah. you, if you need the the apple script or whatever for, for your own system I, I can hand that over um yeah I, it's, uh, it's really fun fun to build these little tools it's kind of it, it is effectively no code right it's no coding mm. in, in the original way by just gluing tools together the, the GNU way the the linux way by just using really basic tools and just kind of intermingling them but that is my process to, for communicating and that have saved, has saved me a lot of time and actually made me quite some money because i used the same tech for those those videos right so just having all of this in place allows me to, I mean, I promised 15 minute videos and they turn out to be like 25 or 30. Cause as you could tell right now, I cannot stop talking for some reason. So <laughs> whenever I'm ex excited about something or I have something else I want to say, I still yeah. finish my initial thought and that might take me 10 minutes. So people tend to get like 20 to 30 minute videos, even though they pay for 15. I think that's fine, I guess. But I, I just have a lot of fun and I learned a lot. I think I, I ran like 20 or 25 of these now, which mm -hmm. uh, has been, it's had been a lot of work just, you know, going through and talking through each of these things. But this week I'm going to put a blog post out as my regular content going through the three main things that I found. Mm. And I, so I'm, I'm trying to, I have some paid stuff that also surfaces information for my free stuff. It's all like kind of flywheel, which is my process. My, my process is to never do a thing if it doesn't also empower everything else that I do. Mm. And my structure is built in that way. I write, I record, I, I publish, 
And in publishing, I get responses that empower me to write more. And during mm -hmm. recording interviews that I do, I get new ideas for writing and I get new like channels for publishing. And, you know, it's, it's all kind of working together. If it's not synergetic, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was, that was one of the, those 15 minutes things that I do. <laughs> Didn't even cost me a hundred dollars. I love That's it. That's right. You get it for free. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just having a lot of fun doing this kind of media stuff. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's very cool. I would definitely like to see a little more like behind the scenes about how you're actually executing on a lot of this stuff because I know it's 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 quite complicated. I think just even getting like a good, you know, audio visual setup and stuff like that was like a very big lift for me. And I'm, you know, I'm still only like maybe a B minus level. So oh, you're great. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to be done there. Yeah, I'm we're finishing the basement. I I think I've mentioned this every single time, every single episode. People are yeah, probably going to be su super yeah. bored with the basement, but we it, that that's where I want to live. I'm a basement dweller by design, right? Like I'm a come from the the development community. We love our basements, and mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm we're so close to getting it painted, and then I can get it set up and get and get get my railing on the ceiling where my my microphones and my lights and my camera are gonna drop down from because I don't want things on the ground. I want them up, and you know I, that's it's gonna be a whole studio, and I'm really looking forward to building this. And Danielle, being a, an audio engineer, she's gonna help me like figure out the sound um proofing and, and sound um you know the absorption panels and the, all the weird diffraction things that you need to put in a room to make it sound good so that's it's just gonna be a, a fun little thing and now i'm sitting in a different room and i kind of want to go down there but we're not done yet it's i'm just i'm so excited for this whole process i i, I think for somebody who likes tools and toys going into media is both incredibly fun and super expensive you don't want to know how much money i spent on equipment that is mostly unused but you never know if you might need it right like i think i have like six or seven uh, camera lenses right here that may or may not be used in the future just because i want the shot a little bit tighter or a little bit wider yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta be prepared for <laughs> something that will never happen yeah it's um yeah it's, it's it's a lot of fun to build this this little business but it uh, certainly requires a lot of uh, restraint because I could spend time on all of this all the time, but I, yeah. th that's why I'm saying, and I do wonder, that's one thing I wanted to ask you, like, how do you keep yourself accountable to actually get things done? Because for me, that is having subscribers, having readers, having viewers, having people that expect me to deliver every Friday. So I have my structure in place to make it happen. But mm -hmm. how, as somebody who doesn't have that much structure, minus the, I don't want to have meetings on Monday or Friday, how do you like set accountability goals and how do you reach them for yourself? It's a good question. I mean, I I have never been one to set um, kind of goals in the form of milestones, really. Um, I often find that I focus more on the pace and the direction that I'm heading in. So hmm. rather than sort of saying, okay, I want to get to, you know, X uh, six months from now or whatever, um, I tend to just sort of look at, okay, what kind of pace am I setting in terms of like, you know, a typical week, a typical month, a typical quarter? Do I feel like I'm getting, you know, enough done? And then I think about the direction, which is, you know, mm -hmm. am I getting enough done? And is it the right kind of thing that's moving me in the right direction? Um, and that's kind of how I focus on it, which is just to have like a, a retrospective. So if you can almost think of yourself as like a runner, right? It's just like you're looking down and kind of checking your watch, right? Getting your pacing, right? And saying like, okay, mm -hmm. pace feels good. All right. Like definitely headed in the right direction. 
let's keep it up um, versus like, oh my God, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I've got three and a half more miles to go until I hit my <laughs> right. goal. Right. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm, I mean, I know that works for a lot of other people, you know, really like to set very structured goals, but the way my brain works is it's much more in that sense. So I'll, and then, you know, I'll adjust, right? So very frequently the, it will say, Hey, you know, like actually, um, you know, the pace is not what we want. Why is that? Okay. Well, you know, we had some distractions, we had some things that had to get changed, et cetera. Um, or, you know, reevaluating the direction as well. Say, Hey, Mm -hmm. got a lot done, but seems to sort of be not quite headed in the right direction. So let's, you know, recalibrate this week in terms of how, how I allocate time. Um, mm-hmm. So that's usually how I, how I do it is kind of like course correcting over time on both of those counts. Yeah. Interesting. So to, to me, there's, there's kind of two camps here and there's probably more than this, but there's alignment, just what you were saying, right? Like people, where do I, why am I pointing the engine? Right. And then mm-hmm. people like me who need motivation because the engine sometimes stutters, right? Like my alignment is, I think fairly clear for me. I, I want to do what I like and I want to help people do what they like. That's, the most general direction and there are specific things in there as well but i don't i don't feel like i need to reprioritize i found my stride but i need to maintain the stride and that is more the the problem that i have than than my alignment so did you are you just like genetically somebody who just keeps moving forward like like that motivation and and stuff Are, are you a disciplined person do you consider yourself a very disciplined person i think not but i think um for me, oh man, how do I unpack this? Um, <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> I think motivation for me comes in the form of, um, first of all, being very, a bit like what we were talking about with the kind of like, you know, other people's narratives and things like that, like mm. continuously reminding myself that I am free of those narratives, that I could really be doing anything that I want, right? And I kind of remind myself of that a lot, like mm-hmm. really stepping back and, and saying, okay, technically I plan to do this over the next month because I have currently got this job and I've raised this fund and I have this obligation to these investors, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, just remember like, you could change all this if you wanted, Tyler. Like you could write a note to everybody saying like, hey, I'm giving the money back. You could tell all your portfolio founders like, you know, you guys are great. You're on your own. I'm going to go be a <laughs> tour guide in African safaris because that's what I want to do now. And like nobody yeah. could stop me. Like I could do that, you know. So yeah. I kind of remind myself of that. And then I basically like consciously re-opt in to what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. So then I say like, okay, I could totally go and do that. Do I want to do that or do I want to keep doing this thing that I like? Is this actually like the most fun, important, interesting, you know, all of the right adjectives thing that I could be working on right now? And most of the time I say yes. And uh, some of the time I say no. And then I change what I'm doing. <laughs> hmm. um, so, you know, and that's why I think like, you know, I would say, I guess um, I've got maybe about 15-ish plus years as like a professional adult at this point, like I'm 37, right? So you say maybe it's our early 20s, you got 15 yeah. years. Um, you know, I've made some pretty big changes um, over that. It's not been 15 straight years of linear progression on the same yeah. goal. And that's because like, I am very willing to just say like, nope, I'm done with all this. I'm moving on to something else. Um, and so that kind of continuous reminder of, I could do do something else and but actually like of all the possible things I want to be doing this and I'm choosing to do this is kind of where I get motivation to keep the pace up and keep pointing in the same direction I guess if that makes yeah. sense 
Oh, um, makes perfect sense to me. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm very wary of, of those traps as well. You know, I think like, um, there's all kinds of forms of like, you know, the term like golden handcuffs, right? Like you get stuck in a job that just like pays you really well. And then you get like a really big mortgage because you have this job and, and all of a sudden you're sort of like trapped in this situation where you have these golden handcuffs, like life is pretty good, but you just can't really do something else. I tend to yeah. like steer really clear of these like golden handcuff situations or get like very suspicious of them. Um, because, you know, I find that I like, I need to have the, I need to remind myself that I could be doing anything else in order to feel motivated about the thing that I'm doing, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. yeah. One thing yeah. that is that is very pleasantly absent from all of this reasoning that you just shared with me is money. Like that mm. I didn't hear a single word about like, you know, making money or, you know, building wealth, even though it's kind of a, sure. a layer, a foundational layer of all of this, obviously, because yeah. we have to still like build stuff, right? Build build security or whatever it may be for ourselves or the people we, we love or just ourselves, right? It's just for ourselves sure. to, to feel value, to feel valuable. That to, that to me is what I hear and not money, not the kind of financial thing. I've, I'm, I'm, I kind of have to recur to, to what Paul was saying, Paul Miller, again, he calls these people hoop jumpers, right? People who jump from hoop to hoop to hoop, because that's the mm -hmm. hoop that somebody else places there for you to go through the career on the default yeah. path, right? If you follow the, the regular progression, the, the narrative that other people put out there for you, and I think that's where the golden handcuffs come in because every yeah. time you jump through a hoop, you get elevated into another group and that group has to kind of be maintained. So it gets constricted and restricted from the outside. And that's, that's where the, the expensive lifestyle and all that comes from. Something that I also don't see in my, um, my priorities, but I think we both operate from a relatively, if not extremely privileged foundational layer, right? Having sold businesses, having financial sure. security, if not stability, if not more than that, right? So I guess for us, it's easy not to talk about needing money because the, the necessity has just been um, mostly reduced to uh, this is okay. It's okay to make more. That's kind of, yeah. that's how I feel about it. But I live in a house that is very small in, in many ways compared to what other people live in. We only mm -hmm. have Oh, you, you will be surprised two bathrooms in this house only two bathrooms because we're just two people why would we need more bathrooms so you know that's that's kind of how i approach these kind of things sure. um, my priorities are equally i think or similarly to yours in what do i enjoy the most mm. like what is the thing that i feel, want to fill my time with the most and that kind of in in a way that is a highly structured approach it just is not structured in the in the same sense that you know most processes or or calendars are structured right like if if you kind of if you chase the thing you enjoy you can't really schedule these things because that kind of makes you enjoy them less but you can make room for them and that's i think the the one thing that and i'm just gonna throw this out here see what you think like to me um a, a kind of categorized but empty calendar is the best kind of thing like I, sure. I i want my my five days they each have a theme but like other than the theme, I don't want anything else in there. I want to be able to fill them as things happen. Yeah. So is that similar for you? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it just even, I, I mean, I think it's, uh, basically yes. And a little bit even more emphatically. Right. So that mm -hmm. I don't even really choose the topic for the day. Yeah. It's more like my ideal day and, and where I think, you know, some of the, clear most important and impactful work the sort of like 100x you know days where like and and this is something i think that is you know 
you know, I've talked about in the past about how like there are certain kinds of careers, especially ones you build a certain amount of leverage where, you know, every hour, every day is not treated equally. And it's possible to have a single day's work that is a hundred times more valuable than the average day's work. You you write something, you make some connection, you, you know, do something that, uh, you know, it's just going to move the needle so dramatically. Yeah. And, most of those, for me, most of those 100x days uh, or, or pieces of work have come from either a pretty blank calendar um, or sometimes I get a hunch that it's coming on and then mm. I just clear the calendar. So like a good example would be maybe two years ago, I wrote this really long thesis for our fund and that was that the ideas sort of just started. I've been working on the ideas like on Twitter and in bits and pieces, sort of atomized versions of it. And I could just see it kind of all starting to come together. Um, so it's like early January, like the first weeks of January. And it was back in like post holiday work stuff. And I just said no. And I just nuked my calendar for a week. I told everybody like, leave me alone, like, you know, and, and I just sat down and wrote that thing. And that was easily like a hundred times more valuable than, yeah. you know, almost any other week, um, that I've put into that business so far. So yeah, it is, it does typically come from that, that kind of situation. And it's, it's tricky to think about that, to know that, and then to say, well, shoot shouldn't like every single day and every single week yeah. look like this <laughs> like yeah. that, you know like if i could have 600x days in in a year that would be like incredible right <laughs> see that's why we don't optimize for these kind of things because it just gets you into this this incredibly um, self-defeating i need to optimize 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 state where most yeah. of what you just said is about giving yourself uh, the opportunity for serendipity right yeah. and that's something you just cannot optimize for because by nature it is unoptimizable. It's unsummonable. You can't just summon serendipity. It falls or it doesn't. What you can be is prepared. I, I think that's that, that's what I see as the opportunity surface, right? You have as big a surface as possible for opportunities to strike. And then you have the capacity, the skills, and the judgment to see them as opportunities and go after them and actually yeah. implement them or, or face them or turn them into something. Because what, what do people say success is um when when luck and skill meet each other or something like that it's kind of you, you if you want to take an opportunity you have to recognize the opportunity you have to be able to do something with the opportunity and you have to just have time to even deal with it right and all of this requires i think a little bit less structure and more um willingness to 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 embrace it as it comes i think that, that I, I i'm similar i have these days too particularly my interview days with people yeah, like Patrick Campbell. Right? That's the conversations like this. They they will serve me forever as an anchor into his world and mm. as a as a means for me to communicate that I'm serious about like teaching the community stuff that I find inspiring. Right, like and and that yeah. was a an hour long conversation, but probably one of the strongest ones I ever had. And yeah. it's a friendship. Like I met Patrick at at Microconf in in, in Denver. We, we yeah. had a real quick chat, and and now we're just like chatting back and forth. And this this stuff just you know it happens because. There was this one day where I actually sent that Twitter DM and asked, right? And and that was yeah. probably one of the most high leverage things I ever did. It's just yeah. like asking people questions. So you're 100% right to leave, leave room for this. Well, we've been, <laughs> I, I kind of want to pivot to to the thing that this this whole uh, podcast is about, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> 12, 12 episodes in. Um, yep. Kind of <laughs> pivot to, to the Calm MBA a little bit because we've okay. been, 
having a, a, you know back and forth between a lot of structure very little structure i think we've we've now found kind of an initial schedule i think that's what we call it for for what the comp mba in its very first iteration is about do you maybe want to give a really really concise and i mean this not because you're verbose but you know really short description of where we're at and and then maybe what we what else there is for us to decide before we actually get started yeah totally so i mean the the entire idea and in some ways the genesis of this podcast was you and i talking about how you know there is a need for um more paving of the path of building a kind of bootstrapped business calm company etc you know we were talking about i think i was kind of contrasting it with you know venture capital and the silicon valley approach is really not a fit for like almost every business but they've done an amazing job of creating what feels like a sort of paved path they said hey there's there's angels and there's angel list and then there's accelerators and then there's pre-seed and seed and series a and all this kind of stuff and and they give you a sense that there's a path you can follow to build a company this way. And so that tends to lure quite a lot of companies. And in many cases, companies that probably should not go down that path because like it's kind of one of the only paths that's really well paved and really articulated on how you can build these companies. And so the genesis of the idea of a Calm MBA was let's start creating something for folks at the idea stage to convince them that there is at least one, if not many other alternative paths to build a company. Um, we wanted to do that in the form of kind of exploring a variety of ideas around how to think about markets, how to build a company, how to think about hiring, like all the basic blocks of starting an early business, but through the lens of the outcome being build a Calm company versus a a, you know, well, versus any other kind of company, really. Um, um, and so we started this because we felt like we had a lot of raw material on the topic, and we really were not finding how exactly to get started with folks. There's a lot of interest from a lot of would-be entrepreneurs in terms of, you know, consuming some of this, but we were like, should this be a cohort course? Should this be an accelerator? Should we do this, that, the other thing? And we said, let's just get on a regular call and work through this. Where I think we have landed recently is that um, the, the nature of trying to find a bundle of founders at exactly point A that want to go from point A to point B at any given time is incredibly difficult. You're going to have people who are idea stage, who are, you know, a day away from quitting their job and super stoked to people who are thinking about doing it three years from now and getting those folks at exactly the right moment to put them in some kind of cohort or course or whatever is just too challenging because it's just a coordination challenge. We might have, you know, 100,000 people that are super interested and only, you know, seven of them are all clustered at exactly the right point in that timeline. So what we've decided is to basically take each of the topics that we would do and just start creating the content around that in the form of either stuff that we're going to produce, interviews, et cetera, and not even necessarily doing it linearly from you know point A to something in a later stage company, but just picking topics off and starting to, to create that. And then once we have much of that kind of catalog of material really organized, then we can start to apply it more to different things like a cohort-based thing, like a course, like something like that. So that's kind of where we landed um, mm-hmm. in particular the last episode. And I think where we are now, we were just talking before we started, which is like, 
I think we're ready to start. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's like, right. um, so I think maybe we can just talk about uh, actually in light of this this discussion we've just had around sort of mix of spontaneity and and um, and kind of uh, structure. Um, you know, how do you want to go about sort of starting to pick things off the to do list and starting to create the content? What What do you think? It would be really nice to keep the the whole building and public thing going here. And sure. just making this making this something that our potential prospective audience has kind of a say in, right? Because for us, I guess it, it really doesn't matter if we start talking about pricing or funding or market. Like we, I can only speak for myself, but I have something to say about everything, right? It's kind of, I've thought about this stuff a lot. I have opinions about all parts and so do you. Like you've been involved in this so intensely. So it really doesn't matter where we start. I think it would be interesting with the people that we already got. You got the the survey and I have a couple people in my DMs. You probably have several in yours. Um, maybe we should really just... Uh, to talk to the couple of people that we've talked to give them a list of like three, four different options for the, I don't know, first month that we would like, you know, would talk about it once a week as we probably would plan to and just have them select the one that they care most about and then kind of rank it by that or, or make a list of, of 10 different things. Like we have a list in our little document here, the, the module topics, the table of contents, right? Like maybe just put that list in a, in an actual either Twitter poll or a straw poll or something that can have more than four options and have several people, if not everybody in our audience vote about it. Cause it doesn't really matter to us in which order we do it might just as well do it in an order that is attractive to the people who might want to consume it. That's my mm. idea. Okay. Right? What do you think? Too open? Too public? Uh -huh. I think it's a good idea. I'm almost inclined to say let's divide and conquer on this mm. topic because my inclination yeah. is basically I want to go through this list and pick what, what I'm like most excited about and start there. Okay, <laughs> well, okay. go ahead. <laughs> That's also fine. Yeah, we could do that too. Like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we, we, why not both tends to be the the answer here. Like pick a, pick a topic and we'll do it with the rest <laughs> or yeah. or pick a couple topics. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's also fine. To me, honestly, the, the question is like, when do we start um, kind of holding ourselves accountable, which is why I brought up the whole accountability thing earlier, because I know that I could do a lot of things in a lot of different ways, but if I am a deadline kind of person. I need to know that by July, fifth or whatever let me pull up my calendar it's not to promise too much i want to have the first thing ready to be put into whatever toolkit we choose for it to be made accessible right that is a whole other conversation that we are kind of and have been kind of having but there are so many options that uh we just need to pick one and we can always migrate it back and forth anyway if we ever make a choice. But let's just let's just pick a date because my I mentioned my parents coming here mostly because during those next ten days, starting on uh, Monday next week, I guess I will be completely inaccessible because I'm gonna be somebody's personal translator for the whole time. Yeah, so that's sure. just gonna gonna make make it two weeks that I won't be able to do anything. But begin beginning July, um, yeah. I could and would very likely really want to get started with this because man i really want to get this to a point in 2023 where this is an actual thing right yeah like we've been pushing it so far so what do you think of um well let's let's make it a friday it's always fun 
Um, or, or do you think we should put like one of the the first days and the, the first full week of July as our deadline for delivery of whatever that looks like, the the first topic from that list? Great. For each of us. Let's yeah? do it. Friday yeah. the seventh. Okay, I'm gonna put that in my calendar. Yeah, because then both of us, you pick one, you 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 mark it in a little document, and I mark yep. mine in a little document, and we we get going at it. I think that's a that's a wonderful idea. I'm really Great. looking forward to this. I Let's mean, do that. Uh, I think we can th- chop it up in uh, in Notion. We basically can have the outline, and then we'll just have a sort of like running yep. database of what yep. we're actually going to work on and when. And yep. you know, we can just keep an eye on that, and um, you know, we'll we'll use that, and we'll just get going. One day we're going to make that Notion document publicly available. And that's going to be fun. People can watch us work. (laughs) I mean, that's like, that is super advanced building in public. Let's not necessarily start with that. Let's get into, you know, a a certain kind of regular cadence here. But I think that would be fun to watch. Like, I bet people listening to this would be, they'd be glued to the Notion document just to see, like, how much time do we really spend on this? Like, do we really do a lot of work or is it just like us typing whatever? Yeah, that would Uh be interesting to watch. I think, yeah, the 7th is a a good date. I think Um, the 7th of the 7th month. In the third Let's year of the decade, yeah, that's cool. Rock and roll. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this, and um, yeah, now that that's settled, there's, it's there's really not much more we can discuss, isn't it? Kind of sad. Like we had so much fun not doing the work and just <laughs> talking about doing the work, that now we actually have to do it. Oh man, let's do the awesome. work. Yeah, no, it'll be great. I'm excited. All right. Um, do we, um, uh, do you have any, anything you, you want to share? Like before we, we end this here episode that is now officially an hour long. Any shout outs? Because I might have one. You go. I do. Okay. So there was this thing. I, I kind of wanted to mention it in the beginning, but um, apparently Danny Postma, one of the very public indie hackers, like uh, I think frenemy of Peter Levels, like they both built eff- effectively AI products and stuff. He had something happen yesterday where I think uh, you could you could notice like how upset he was about it. Like somebody effectively cloned his f- business, the whole um, photo or not photo AI, but like AI headshots kind of thing that he has. Yeah. And somebody cloned it to the letter, like with the copy on the landing page and everything, and then yep. started a, a Twitter thread about how they are running an experiment cloning somebody's product and uh, hopefully uh, Danny wouldn't be pissed and then kind of in- involved him in the conversation it was really oh bad <laughs> it was somebody just like somebody burning their reputation two people from Austria I think building this product and, and building their reputation in, in our community forever or burning it forever by, by yeah. just like, outright cloning a product and then kind of um, in, in, in the most cringest of moves uh, publicly speaking about it on Twitter, inviting the person they cloned the product from. So what I want to give him a shout out for is um, I had a little like private conversation with him around it uh, during the process. He was really mad at it because why wouldn't you be? You built these things and somebody just kind of swipes it and, and tries to make money off of your work effectively. Uh, yeah. he, he got mad and he, he kind of pointed out how, what, what a shitty move that was and wrote his own tweet. And then a couple, like half an hour later after that happened, um, Danny like deleted all of his interaction with those people. And I mm. was thinking, this is a calm founder. He was a bit aggravated for a couple mm-hmm. minutes but then he said hey this why should this bother me right yeah. why should i even give them the attention that they are seeking by making this a public thing so he removed yeah. all of his amplification all of his interaction with these people and now they were sitting there like getting like three likes on their little twitter post of their clone well danny could finally focus back on, on building the things that he's actually good at building so big shout out to danny postma for being 
you know, slightly angry at, in the beginning, but then calming down again and doing the things that really matter, which is doing the work that we're good at and not complaining or getting aggravated about other people trying to steal our stuff, which people always yeah. try to do anyway. So that was something that I found. If you want to be a calm founder, take that as an example. Like calm, mm. calm, calmness is about staying calm when mm -hmm. shit hits the fan, right? That's that's yeah. kind of what it is. And that's a good example that, that I think uh, is worth mm. a little shout out. I like that a lot. Yeah, awesome. That's that's a great share. And we should definitely put on our list for a future discussion to discuss um, copycats because that's something we've seen yeah. a lot in our portfolio and talked to a lot of founders about. And it, it is a very tricky topic that I'd love to talk through, but way too big of a topic to, to, to tack on yeah. right now. Um, yeah, cool. yeah that, that, is, that is a whole other thing. That may also be a thing where we want to have a guest and interview somebody else who's been dealing with this a lot, like a yeah. person that I may have mentioned just now, right? Like we yeah. can talk to a lot of founders that are dealing with this on a regular basis due to their public exposure of their work and, and their personality so yeah that 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 is a big topic and probably something that a lot of founders want to know about from the start right yeah. in our very public sphere this might be a, a big deal but another topic for another day thank you so much for spending this hour with me having a nice little chat and doing more planning and a big exchange about structured and unstructured approaches that was a lot of fun looking yeah, forward to to talking to you again. Not sure if I'm going to hit next week or even the week after because, you know, I might be speaking German the whole time and that would be pretty weird for a podcast like this. But uh, July is it's definitely when I'll be, be back uh, in full swing working on our stuff together. Have fun with the family. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a good yeah. one. You too.